0: Which European language is the official language of Senegal?
1: Welcome to Trivial Context, the podcast where we give trivia its context. I'm Sean Roddy, my all-time trivia partner. In Senegal, I want to say French.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's French. Yep, we did it. That was pretty easy. Also, I just read the uh, science one. And I know the answer, so I'll see if you know the answer.
1: (laughs) Oh, a little off topic. I love it. Immediately off topic.
0: Yes. What are you eating when biting into a capsicum?
1: Capsicum?
0: Pepper, apple, or eggplant. Pepper. Yep. Horticulture really helps you out in life.
1: (laughs) Let's not stretch in your New Mexican legs. No. Okay. I answered the question correct first, so I will go first.
0: In my head, I answered it first, because I read it first.
1: Well, I read it way before we recorded, so not the answer, just the question, and I answered it in my head. In the late 1400s, Brooke, this is my opening question, what was the biggest empire in the world?
0: In the 1400s?
1: The late 1400s. Ottoman? One more guess.
0: Is it so obvious that I'm it? No,
1: it is not. It was a big surprise when I found out. Okay. British the Inca.
0: Oh yeah, that makes sense too. Well, this
1: uh, huh. this comes from a request from my very own father, Skip Riley. He wants to know more about Machu Picchu. So I decided to do modern-day Chile. At the very end of writing my entire report, I learned that Machu Picchu is actually in modern-day Peru. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, you didn't know that?
1: Nope, (laughs) but (laughs) it's all connected Uh, as far as the Inca Empire goes. It was all connected. Chile was part of it. And Chile, modern Chile, has a very cool story. So a bit about it. it is a long, thin country with the Andes Mountains in the east, the highest mountains in the Americas, and the Pacific Ocean to the west. It is the southernmost country on the planet. It has a few species of penguin, including the rock hopper, my favorite penguin. We went to go see them at the zoo.
0: They're so cute.
1: They're so cute.
0: And they get so close to you at the St. Louis Zoo.
1: Yeah, especially your dad who's really tall. Yeah. They can just hop right on from one rock to his bald head of a rock. (laughs) The north houses the Atacama Desert, the driest place on the planet. Well, driest desert. Uh, They also claim the sovereignty of a few Pacific islands, notably Easter Island.
0: Hmm. It is
1: Chilean. Yeah. Really? They are the 6th most populated country in South America out of 14, with 19 million people. The capital and largest city is Santiago. The national language is what? Espanol. Yes, it is Spanish. The religious makeup is 63% Christian, 36% not religious, and 1% other. Hmm. The, their current leader is President Gabriel Boric. So I don't really know anything. Like, I've never been to Chile. I don't know a ton about Chile, outside of all of the amazing research I've done over the past two weeks. Sorry for the late episode, everybody. But yeah, what's your interactions with this thin country?
0: I've known people who are from there. Very
1: cool. And who
0: have lived there from anywhere from 18 to 24 months.
1: Yeah, I know one person that's lived there for about 24 months as well. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He says it's very cool. Yeah. And the food was not go... very spicy, which he is good for him because he had horrible tolerance for spicy food.
0: Oh. um, That is where Patagonia is, right? I believe it is. I'd really like to go there one
1: day. Yeah, me too. <laughs> it is naturally very beautiful. And though Machu Picchu is not part of it, it has a, it is very close. It's not. It's near the border. So that amazing, like, super tall mountainous area is is rife throughout Chile. Let's go way back though. This amazing strip of land was home to a few scattered peoples, going as far back as about 10,000 years ago, apparently. Apparently. The Mapuche people scattered in small, familiar groups that hunted, fished, waged war, and worshipped spirits we have gathered from archaeological and anthropological evidence. These people were eventually taken over by the Inca, though not all. The Inca Empire's southern expansion was stopped by the Mapuche resistance in that area. The Inca Empire, however, is pretty awesome. As I said, in the late 1400s, it was the biggest in the world. Their empire began around 1438. Anthropologist Gordon McEwan, nearly every website I looked through, had a quote from this guy. So he's a big Inca expert. So he said, The Incas were able to construct, quote, one of the greatest imperial states in human history. Without the use of the wheel, draft animals, knowledge of iron or steel, or even a system of riding. So you see all these giant rocks Machu Picchu lifted, and they didn't have even a wheel to get it up there. Let alone horses.
0: So it's aliens, is what you're saying?
1: (laughs) Almost certainly. No, but like, they're... (laughs) That's crazy. They are incredible, yeah. Notable features...
0: I'm sorry, before the wheel? When was the wheel invented?
1: In the Americas, oh, much later. Gotcha. Yeah. I'm okay. So notable features of the Inca empire included its monumental architecture, especially stonework, extensive road network reaching all corners of the empire, finely woven textiles, use of knotted strings called kipu for record keeping and communication, agricultural innovations and production in a difficult environment, to say the least, and the organization and management fostered or imposed on its people and their labor. So this I found very interesting. Not everybody will, I assume. But their economy is particularly peculiar as they had no currency.
0: I think that was pretty common back in the day.
1: Yes. It was common not to have currency for a long time.
0: But by the 1400s.
1: But by the 1400s, everyone had it. But also, like, I don't think there was ever anything this massive that didn't have some kind of standardized currency to go around. Gotcha. Like you think of small tribes not having currency, of course, but an empire is a difficult thing to organize on its own, especially when you don't have all of these, I don't want to say limitations, but all of these things that you lack.
0: Uh
1: From web.stanford.edu, quote, Incan economics and politics were based on Andean traditions. In order to financially support the empire, the Incas developed a somewhat socialistic system of labor taxation without any form of currency. They limited the role of markets and carried out the exchange of many of their products through political channels. Gifts and favors comprised economic transactions, and the social and political positions of the people involved in these transactions often determined the value of the goods and services. Leaders used this form of of bribery to maintain their power, providing gifts of luxury goods and elaborate entertainment to their supporters. The people reciprocated by providing their leaders with labor, Although inevitably the administration forced them into the position nonetheless. Two thirds of a farmer's crops, over 20 varieties of corn and 200 varieties of potato,
0: that's a lot of potatoes,
1: were given to the government. Such labor provided the Inca state with its tax revenues. However, in exchange for the labor, the government provided for them in the way of shelter, food, and clothing. One unique incentive was the free distribution of ceremonial beer. Incan society was so rich that it could afford to have hundreds of people who specialized in planning the agricultural uses of newly conquered areas. They built terraced farms on the mountainside, whose crops, from potatoes and maize to peanuts and squash, were carefully chosen to thrive in the average temperature for different altitudes. So I thought that was very interesting. <laughs> I know that was a huge block of text that I just read through. But the takeaway is no standardized currency for a huge amount of different people, different languages, different cultures. And, and no written language either, and they were able to make it work.
0: Yeah, that's insane.
1: And the average, like, the standard of living for the time or for the area was incredibly high. Like, everybody was very rich. Um, and again, not in gold or anything, but in their standard of living. I read yeah. somewhere where it was socialistic, but also it was forced upon people to a certain degree, a la communism. So,
0: <laughs> Which, like, there's a reason people like communism like the idea of it is good but the execution is always terrible
1: you're talking about socialism
0: all like of people, it all of it capitalism socialism cap, uh, communism yeah they all have ideals where if they were executed correctly yeah would work they just never do
1: yeah i think people except
0: for maybe in this case
1: <laughs> i think the argument is and i am by no means an expert but capitalism by definition creates inequality And socialism, by definition, enforces equality. And both aren't what we need. (laughs) Right. Continuing on. Also,
0: sorry, really quickly. The uh, food that comes from that area. Very unique. Very cool.
1: Yeah. Potatoes. Yeah. Irish people didn't have potatoes until they were taken from the Inca. Yeah. Very cool. And they assume that some... Type of a sweet potato from this area was brought over to the Pacific Islands because they had sweet potato, like before there was contact, apparently. But I would say that there definitely was contact because they had the sweet potato. Yeah. <laughs> Recorded contact, very little. So, continuing on, the realm of the four parts, as the Inca Empire was called, was composed of four lesser kingdoms, with the capital, Cusco, run by the Inca. The languages were diverse, as were the people. The Inca worshipped the sun god Inti. Whom they believed they were the descendants of. Their creation story is pretty interesting. They, um, I didn't write this down so it will be a little jumbled but basically they came out of a cave after being given life by the Sun God and were told to wander and they were given a staff and wherever they planted the staff and it stayed on its own they were to create their civilization and there's all these stories of them meeting all these different peoples and, and over and over again like slamming their staff into the ground and it falling over then they finally settled in what would become Cusco or the Cusco Valley they sunk their uh staff into the soft soil and it stayed there and it has like for the area nutritious soil rich soil, rich soil thank you and that's where they stayed um that's fun and something about how the main leader of this turned to stone and that's where it gets a little foggy but they worshipped this particular stone that uh, Which is now lost to history as that original staff wielder. Jumping over to Machu Picchu, (laughs) as it was the actual requested topic, no European visited the site until the 19th century. Whoa. So far as we know. There are, therefore, no written records of the site while it was in use. The names of the buildings, their supposed uses, and their inhabitants are all the product of modern archaeologists on the basis of physical evidence, including tombs at the site. According to these archaeologists, the Inca built it about 1450. So about 12 years after the empire was created. Many believe it to be an estate for the Inca Emperor Pachacuti. So when you watch Emperor's New Groove and he goes to, what's his name, Pacha? Mm -hmm. And he's like, I need you to move because I'm going to set up like my sweet water park. my, My estate, basically. He was setting up Machu Picchu, basically. Oh, that's fun. And who knows? Like. Yeah, and who knows if Machu Picchu was inhabited by people before this? It might have been. Like who knows if Pachamama was Cusco, real?
0: Before Cusco came around. <laughs>
1: before Cusco came around. Uh, a little nod to what Machu Picchu is. So Machu Picchu has three primary structures: the Intihuatana, a ritual stone associated with the astronomic clock or calendar, the Temple of the Sun, and the Room of the Three Windows. Most of the outlying buildings have been reconstructed in order to give visitors a better idea of how they originally appeared. It is considered to be the most spectacular urban creation of the Inca Empire and one of the most important heritage sites in the world. It sits on top of a mountain 8,000 feet in the tropical forest, offering spectacular scenery.
0: I can imagine.
1: Yeah. I read somewhere that the native Chileans are like one of five like most... Uh, pristine, I believe is the word used, people, whereas they are basically direct descendants, very few mixing of, of their genetic code with other people. And like Chinese are one, Egyptians are one, and then there were two others who I don't remember. But yeah, one of them, one of these five pristine people of the past, I should say, are the native Chileans. That's super cool. Yeah, they're very cut off. So as quick as the empire rose, it fell. The capital was overtaken by Spanish conquistadors in 1533. So that's less than a hundred year long empire. In Guns, Germs, and Steel, a great book that talks about the disparity between countries and peoples, author Jared Diamond devotes an entire chapter to Pizarro's capture of Atahualpa, stressing why it was not the other way around, as in Atahualpa taking over Spain. Pizarro had a force of 168 soldiers, in unfamiliar t- terrain, Atahualpa had eighty thousand soldiers. Hot off a of battle with other Native Americans, which they won, despite this disparity, Pizarro captured the Incan ruler within minutes of meeting him and ho- and held him hostage for eight months. While the Inca people gathered what would be the largest ransom in human history, once delivered, Pizarro reneged on his promise, executing Atahualpa. The last Inca stronghold fell in fifteen seventy seven. So there are some people who lived throughout the entirety of this empire. For example, Galileo Galilei was born a year or so before and died a few years after. So very short-lived as far as empires go. Yeah. Thankfully, Spain kind of ignored Chile. Compared to surrounding countries, like Peru specifically, Chile was not naturally rich in gold or silver. They were, however, still ruled over by Spain as a colony until 1818, where they declared independence. This was not recognized until 1844. So this is kind of where you can see where these people, they didn't really mix with the Spanish. They're, these days, there's definitely a huge percentage of people, of different peoples there. But people that are native Chileans are one of the five pristine peoples.
0: That's pretty cool.
1: I think it is kind of cool. So today, to wrap up, Chile is among the most economically and socially stable nations in South America. Chile also ranks high regionally in sustainability of the state, democratic development, and has the lowest homicide rate in the Americas after Canada. So second. That's pretty good. It is a founding member of the United Nations and a pretty cool place.
0: That's a pretty fun fact.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So that is Chile... (laughs) Slash Machu Picchu and maybe someday I'll come back and do Peru. Started <laughs> <to> the Peruvians. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I yeah. I literally I didn't even look it up, obviously. I was like, Oh yeah, Chile and then did hours and hours of research <laughs> and then realized at the very end where I was like, I should do I should do Machu Picchu now. Oh look at that. It's uh
0: It's not even what I was researching.
1: Yeah. Too deep now though.
0: Yeah. Well good job. That was Thanks. a great report.
1: Yeah do you want to hear something tragic for the first time in doing our podcast together i accidentally saw your computer and know what you're doing but ask your question and maybe i'm wrong maybe you're looking at a different time
0: when did you figure it out
1: when your parents were here um and Uh, i was like you should do this and then you did it i was like well not right now and then i like rubbed your shoulders or something and i was like no i just full-on looked at your screen (laughs)
0: It's funny, when you started your report, you are like, my question is, and I was like, I don't have a question.
1: Oh, yeah, classic.
0: So, I was trying to uh, find one.
1: We all have to do it at some point.
0: I know, I'm just trying to think of how to word the question. Which U.S. state has been ruled by six separate countries? Texas. Correct.
1: Yay.
0: Can you name the six countries?
1: Ooh, would the native people count? Okay.
0: I mean, yes, but no Not, in this not, not they're, for they're this not, list they're con- They didn't like declare That's fair, okay so,
1: so Spain, for sure mm-hmm. Mexico? Hmm. now I don't know The US? Good job Britain wouldn't have So I would say France, maybe? Good job Really? Okay I'm surprised by that Two more? Oh man The Dutch <laughs> <laughs> No <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm stumped at four One okay. of the other two
0: I'll get into it, actually. Okay. I won't give you the answer.
1: Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Okay. The story of Texas is, is just as big as the state itself.
1: Oh! Ah
0: <laughs> We'll start at the be- Well, as the beginning as we can.
1: <laughs> Perfect.
0: So, Texas was the crossroads between several well-known um, cultures. We have the Pueblo peoples from the Rio Grande in the west of Texas. Yes. We have the Mound Builders of the Mississippians.
1: Woo! We just went to Cahokia last
0: week. Yeah, so we just learned about that. Uh,
1: Cahokia Mounds, very cool.
0: So obviously that's like on the eastern part. And then you have Mesoamerica in southern Texas. Yes. So all these pretty well-known indigenous peoples and cultures all kind of had their own part of Texas. I mean, Texas is big.
1: Texas is big, (laughs) yeah.
0: And it is kind of like the center... Like the gateway. You know what I mean? Like the east of America.
1: Is separated by Texas.
0: And then there's the west and then it's pretty south. So you got the early people hunted mammoths and bison as they did back then.
1: Hey, mammoths are south.
0: Yeah. We have lovely pictograms from this era kind of demonstrating what life was like for them. And then in about 500 BC, they began to farm and build mounds. Just like the ones we visited.
1: Yeah, those mounds were really cool. Like they had to, they, in your father's expert opinion, as he works with dirt, uh-huh. they had to transport basically dirt with buckets in their hands until it made these giant hills, like man-made hills of dirt. And in your father's expert opinion, that was a lot of dirt.
0: Yeah, I think they said. It took about 40 years. 40
1: years of, of dirt.
0: For one Transportation,
1: count. yeah. Yeah. And it, I, I could not tell you the amount, but it was in the thousands of metric tons area. Yeah. <laughs> so, a lot.
0: So the people who lived in the northern parts would collapse due to drought, and then those from the south, like in Mesoamerica, are still there today. So as we know, like obviously indigenous people's history is very important it's just not as well documented yeah as european things
1: well yeah like the incas didn't have a language to document it with so.
0: yeah i just wanted to like obviously there's a lot of history there but that's as much detail as i'm going to go into that's
1: and about what we know
0: yeah the first record we have of european interaction between these people comes in 1520 when spanish explorer alonso alvarez de Panita, went for Jamaica. They were hoping to find passage between the Gulf of Mexico and Asia and he also, through this little expedition, created the first map of the northern Gulf Coast, which is the first recorded document we have of Texas. That's
1: pretty cool. Yeah. In
0: about 1528, four unlucky men would be the first Europeans to live in modern day Texas but as slaves.
1: Very unlucky. Oh, okay. (laughs) <laughs> that is unlucky.
0: Yeah. They were survivors of the N- N- Narvez Narvez expedition which was a big bummer from the beginning. Oh. They were the only four to survive out of 600. Wow. They pretty much immediately like hit a big storm. They eventually like split up.
1: Never split the party.
0: Yeah, the captain dies, I believe pretty early on as well. He sent half of them West and half of them north, and I don't think we heard from the ones that went north and then there's a lot of disease, just a lot of SF. We get down to these four guys. <laughs> oh man. They lived eight years like as slaves. To whom? To the to the indigenous people.
1: To the Native Americans. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: Until guess who they run into? Some Spaniards. So their buddies. Yeah. Who were there to get some slaves.
1: <laughs> That's good. They're in luck.
0: Yeah. I think it's like ironic, like, oh my gosh, thank you for freeing us from the slavery, even though you're doing the exact same thing to these
1: people. Yeah, yeah. It was a hard time in those 300 years or so. In
0: 1536, they finally make it to Mexico City. So they get picked up by these new Spaniards. They all travel to Mexico and that they can claim that they are the first known non-Native Americans to see the Mississippi.
1: That's really cool. Yeah. I Um, see it every day.
0: We don't, but we look by it.
1: No, but, yeah. <laughs> it's there. We, I could see it every day. I choose not to.
0: They actually published a book detailing what America was like when they got home, and they called it Shipwrecks. <laughs> so at this point, Texas is technically claimed as Spain, but no one ever went to visit for another 160 years. Why would you? It's like buying a star and saying, yeah, that's mine, but you, you don't go. Just that's ours. We're not gonna worry about it. Do you want a star? No.
1: Interesting. I want all the stars.
0: I can't go visit them.
1: I want them all. Also,
0: what if it's an evil star? Like with evil people on it. Evil aliens. That's a very have you seen any Marvel movie?
1: I've seen all the Marvel movies. Yeah. Even the ones that people forget about. Good job. I've seen Blade One, Two and Three.
0: Are those Marvel movies?
1: In association with
0: Okay. All right, so now enters France, but not on purpose.
1: So is this part of the Louisiana Purchase, or does France hold Texas Um, back?
0: We're in the 1600s still.
1: Okay, I'm sorry. I apologize.
0: Calm down. So a nobleman by the name of René Robert Robert Cavalier... (laughs) Nailed it? Yeah. Claimed all of the Mississippi Valley as French in 1682...
1: Wow, how did nobody else think to do that?
0: I don't know. So that separated Spanish Florida from New Spain. And he managed to convince King Louis to set up a colony there. Unfortunately, like previous expeditions mentioned before, they had some difficulties (laughs) that included, but were not limited to, pirates, bad maps, inability to calculate altitude, and some overcorrecting. So the new colonists found themselves 400 miles west of the Mississippi, in Texas. Oh. (laughs) Uh, They called this St. Louis.
1: Really? Yeah. That's great.
0: Yeah. The colonists didn't thrive, and when the Spaniards (laughs) found out... We are
1: not thriving. (laughs) Yeah,
0: they're having a rough go. (laughs) Yeah. When the Spaniards found out about this colony, they spent three years looking for it, because they were like, we got to get them out, this is our land etc etc they wow. were gonna they
1: had a lot of time on their hands.
0: boot them out when they finally find it they find a single frenchman living among a native tribe he takes them to the original colony where there's ruins of five buildings and it was completely demolished by a native tribe that were angry with them because they didn't pay for some canoes they got so they killed everybody but four children
1: who are now these one of these people that's showing them?
0: I don't think so. I think that Frenchman like got separated, or he left, or like went in search of help. Gotcha. And so there were just these four children living mm-hmm. among the people, and then everyone else was dead. Wow. So,
1: almost feels like a Roanoke situation, but one survived. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, five. But yeah.
1: But yes, yes.
0: Um, and I don't know what happens to those children. I assume they go home.
1: I assume they live with that that tribe.
0: I would not want to live with the people who murdered my family. Yeah. I guess it's not really a choice. You don't have a lot of options. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, once word got around that that was happening, Spain sought its opportunity to convert these murderous people.
1: That's what they need.
0: Yeah. And they really went for it. In 1690, Alonso de Leon established Mission San Francisco de los Tejas.
1: Is this, re- is he related to Ponce de Leon? Unclear. Same last name.
0: Something I realized though is Alonzo must have been a very common name.
1: A lot of Alonzos? A lot of Alonzos. Mm. In
0: 1691, Spain appointed the first governor of Texas, Domingo Teran de los Rios. Obviously, the local people were not happy about colonization, essentially, as, as you're not. They tend not to be, yeah. yeah. Um, and then the Europeans eventually leave Because they're getting attacked and stolen And it said there was a lack of respect From the wow. locals And when they left They left an outbreak of smallpox Which wiped out a lot of I'll show you Yeah.
1: Cough in your face and run away
0: I think that's more of like a Oh smallpox are uh,
1: yeah, They're kind of a chickenpox huh I think so Interesting.
0: And then no one returned for 20 years So it's a lot of, we're going to come. Oh, this really isn't working out. We're going to (laughs) leave. The Spanish kind of wanted to cut their losses. They didn't want to make any more missions. But a very dedicated Spaniard by the name of Francisco Hidalgo, Hidalgo didn't like that. So he went to the French governor of Louisiana and said, Hey, people here need religion. And the governor agreed. So in 1716, four missions and a presidio were established in east texas and that little area had the first female europeans which i don't know why they're saying that because obviously there were women in that first french colony because there were young children there but maybe this is ones that stayed
1: or survived
0: or survived i guess yeah
1: unclear unclear but But cool and good for them
0: yeah so, as you can imagine, there's a few scuffles over the next few years, but during this time, San Antonio is established. Cool. Yeah, San Antonio's a big deal. Um, in the 1720s, the indigenous peoples gave them heck all throughout. I mean, just kind of constant, like, back and forth, fighting, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera.
1: Which, then, from what I know about Texas history, continues for a long time.
0: Yeah. In... 1762, France relinquished its state on Texas um, in the treaty to end the Seven Years' War. So, in that treaty, everything west of the Mississippi is now Spain.
1: Gotcha. So, so far, was it 1500? We had some Spanish people land, and a little bit later, Spain claimed it. Then they left it alone. France came in, claimed it for themselves. While the Spanish were coming in and trying to convert the native people and were trying to get rid of the French.
0: Yeah, I think the French thought they were claiming something else because they accidentally got to Texas. Gotcha. So I think it was Spain's, and France was like, no, it's ours. And then Spain was like, no, it's ours. Okay. But then I guess, yeah.
1: So that counts, that the French claimed it as theirs.
0: Well, yes, but then, remember... There's a, enough bad things going on that Spain's like, we don't want this anymore.
1: And, that's and, when the and French then and...
0: France says, okay, then we'll take it.
1: Gotcha. Okay.
0: So that's my understanding, at least. Yeah. yeah. And we're
1: now in 1720? 1760. We're, we're
0: about to be in 1762. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. We're in 1762 because that's when the seven year... Seven years war. Ended. So Texas is now Spain. And again, Texas, it's just the land that Texas is now. Right, like Texas yeah. did not exist at yeah, this time. Yeah, yeah, Just to clarify. The Spaniards become friends, friends, <laughs> friends <laughs> with the Comanche tribe. And I read kind of like, the enemies of your friends are your enemies. So basically, they just help the Spaniards fight anybody who tried to take the land. Gotcha. Which is cool. And then in 1799, Spain gives Louisiana back to France... In, and again, Louisiana is huge. It's not just a little yeah. state. Yeah. It's huge. It's
1: almost the entire Mississippi Valley, right? Yep. All the way up?
0: Yep. Except for the colony. Because at this point, the United States of America exists. Yep. So. Which is crazy. Like, I feel like we know so much about the original 13, original 13 colonies. Yeah. But, like, all of this stuff...
1: No, yeah, like, I don't...
0: I, Tough
1: I don't know anything about the land that would become the U.S. until it is part of the U.S., really. Yeah.
0: 1799, Spain gave Louisiana back to France in exchange for the promise of a throne in central Italy. So, kind of trading some chess pieces there. The agreement was signed October 1st, 1800, but it did not go into effect until 1802. And the following year, Napoleon sold Louisiana to the United States. So this original agreement that was signed in 1800 between Spain and France didn't exp- like didn't draw out like boundary lines of where the borders of Louisiana are, and there wasn't enough detail in the documents. So the United States said that that what they purchased was like part of Florida and all of Texas.
1: Gotcha! Wow
0: because like there were no maps or anything yeah. or anything laid out so they're like mm, this was included in our this is what we bought yeah. and the other people are no it's not this is ours Like this. Yeah. Is. so Thomas Jefferson claimed that Louisiana stretched all the way to the Rocky Mountains and included all of the Mississippi and Missouri rivers and everything that the southern border of the Rio Grande so a huge area yeah Spain said that Louisiana extended only as far as the Natchitoches and that does not include the Illinois Territory. So then I guess they kind of landed that Texas was a buffer area. So you had New Spain to the west and the United States to the east. And then I think they kind of just leave it alone until 1819 in the Adams-Onis Treaty where Spain... Gives Florida to the United States, and then the United States gives them control of Texas. So, traded one state for another.
1: So, the U.S. now has Texas?
0: No. We have Florida. Okay. Spain has Texas.
1: Spain still has Texas. All right.
0: Texas is now Spain, but in 1808, the Spanish king was forced to abdicate, and Napoleon appointed a man named Joseph Bonaparte. The new monarch and this kind of got some rebellion happening that transition of leadership and revolutionaries in Mexico and the U.S. tried to declare Texas and Mexico independent that did not work well and Texas became a part of an independent nation in 1821. Cool. So technically Texas is independent but that doesn't Really mean anything because Mexico moves right in.
1: <laughs> so does the independent Texas count as one of the countries that claimed it? All right, it's so yeah. up to five.
0: Yep. So yeah, like, once again, like Texas is in this weird limbo where they have a lot of influence from Spain, who's been in control for many years, and yeah. then they have some influence from Mexico, including like their religion and stuff like that.
1: And they're too big to limbo.
0: They are too big to limbo. They're incorporating, like, the American legal system, mostly. So they're just kind of the smorgasbord of all these different countries. Issues. Yeah. yeah. In 1821, the Mexican War for Independence meant that Spain no longer had control on any of its North American territories. So Mexico becomes its own country, and the land that Texas is becomes free of Spain. The 1824 Constitution of Mexico kind of pulled Texas in, but they said, as soon as you're capable of becoming your own thing, like, we'll let you. That's nice. Yeah, that is nice. I
1: feel like that never happens. (laughs) I
0: know. They also enacted the general colonization law, which meant that heads of household, regardless of race or immigrant status, had claim to land in Mexico, which is also very nice. Another good thing, yeah. Yeah.
1: Mexico should have kept Texas.
0: Here's the thing, though. They had... They didn't have the resources to protect settlers from, like, Comanche raids, and so that was kind of their way of getting people to come, because it was really dangerous and they weren't coming otherwise. Gotcha, yeah. In 1832, Texas asked for more, like, political freedom, which led to uh, the convention of 1832, (laughs) and they wanted U.S. citizens to be allowed to immigrate into Texas and wanted independent statehood for the area. And then in 1833, they asked for the same thing again. My understanding is, Mexico said, yep, as soon as you're ready, you can do it. And Texas said, okay, we're ready. And they said, "Mm, no.
1: (laughs) No, you're not.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, someone rest starts to build, and on October 2nd, 1835, the Battle of Gonzales, Texans successfully prevented Mexico from like taking some of their property which launched the Texas Revolution and in the next three months the Texan army successfully defeated Mexican troops and in on March 2nd, 1836 te- Texans signed the Texas Declaration of Independence so they, this creates the Republic of Texas and that is technically it's its own yeah its own country
1: wow i gotcha so
0: fun fact
1: so that's number five
0: yeah that's number five of
1: the six wow
0: americans will know this but maybe people in other countries won't usually in america the u.s flag has to be the
1: highest flag of whatever grouping of flags there are
0: texas is the exception because they were their own country so, in Texas, you can fly the Texas flag above the U.S. flag. Yeah.
1: And Texans, being from Texas, not to generalize, is part of their identity.
0: <laughs> yeah. Texans love Texas.
1: Yeah. More than anything loves anything else. It's, it's impressive.
0: <laughs> Once again, Texas is in this weird spot where they're an independent country. They have a lot of immigrants from the U.S. coming to be with them. They still have a lot of Mexican influence. Because, like, Mexico's was like, carried them for a while. And so, law-wise, it's kind of a mess.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: They were kind of, like, picking and choosing what countries' laws Constitutions they were... they'll follow. Yeah.
1: Well, I know which amendment they chose to keep. Yeah. The second one.
0: hmm And Mexico's still not happy that they are independent. And in 1836... We have a famous battle. Do you know what the battle is? Alamo? Yeah. All right. (laughs) There was a 6,000-man force.
1: I I am interested to know, because I've heard Battle of the Alamo so many times, and I honestly have no idea what it is.
0: Yeah, this is by no means an awesome summary of it. Yeah, it it, it, could be its own report. Yeah, exactly.
1: I got you. But to know anything, I'm excited to to have happen.
0: Yeah, so the Mexican president sent a 6,000-man force to Texas... They went to San Antonio San Antonio, to get the Alamo mission which was very successfully protected by some American or well, some Texans. Unfortunately, it ends in a massacre and they executed all 300 Texans. It was a 13-day siege. One of the prisoners to die there is Davy Crockett. Whoa. Yeah.
1: Remember the Alamo.
0: Remember the Alamo. <laughs> so this is happening. That's getting around Texas, that the, look, Mexico's coming, so a lot of people start fleeing east to get away from the army, including General Sam Houston. After several weeks of fighting, April 21st, 1836, the Texan army attacks Santa Ana, so Mexican Mexico's force, near the present-day city of Houston. They captured Santa Ana. And forced him to sign the treaties of Velasco, which ended the war.
1: Hooray!
0: Yeah, the first Congress of the Republic of Texas first got together later that year. They overturned the Mexican prohibition of slavery and outlawed the emancipation of slaves. Free blacks were forbidden to live in the republic. So that's kind of where they stand with all of that. Yeah, and that you know, eighteen thirty-six. So that's kind of starting the Civil War. Yeah
1: about 30 years out.
0: Sam Houston becomes president and moved the capital to Houston.
1: Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. In 1839,
0: the capital was moved to the new town of Austin by the next president, Mirabeau B. Lamar. And that brings up a good... The One of the reasons I wanted to do this was because I temporarily forgot that the capital of Texas was Austin. <laughs> so I just had to throw that in there, that It was first Houston, and then... Yes. ...Texas, I mean...
1: Fun fact about Austin, it rhymes with Boston.
0: Which is the capital of Massachusetts. Good
1: job. (laughs) I knew that. I knew that those two countries rhymed. Or (laughs) capitals, (laughs) I knew that those two capitals rhymed.
0: We're doing real well over here. Yeah. So, in 1845, the U.S. Congress passed a bill that authorized the Annex of the Republic of Texas.
1: Annex the Texas. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Mexico said that if the U.S. were to take control of Texas, that 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 was war. And on April 25th, 1846, a 2,000-man army attacked a 70-man U.S. army. That starts the Mexican-American War, which we know how that ends, obviously. (laughs) We keep Texas. Texas is part of the United States. And that's... Oh... I was going to say that's its final...
1: Resting place?
0: But it kind of isn't because we have a sixth country.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: Okay. Do you want to make a guess what the sixth country is? Dutch? (laughs) The confederate.
1: Of course.
0: So, obviously, I said what they're... I did not realize
1: they claimed themselves as their own country. That is an interesting fact.
0: Yeah. I mean... They separated. They didn't so want to be... So it wasn't a
1: civil war after all. <laughs> it was just two countries.
0: Fighting each other. Yeah. We know their stance on slavery, so the Confederates thought it was theirs. A lot of people didn't... I mean, it was just a mess. Yeah. We also know how that ends.
1: And most states... I, well, no, not most. Every state has some people that supported it and some people that were against it.
0: Yeah. I think... I think both sides too claimed, like Missouri is one of those. Yeah. Or like the Union was like, Missouri's ours. And, and the South was like, nah, Missouri's yeah. ours. So
1: it's one of the 13 stars on the Confederate flag. Yeah. Mis- it represents Missouri, even though I don't know what stance Missouri took. I think they ended up siding with the Union. But a lot of Missourians, locals, still went fought for the Union. Yeah. Fought for the Confederates.
0: It's a complicated situation. Again, Every little like bullet point I'm bringing up could be its own report. Yeah. So this is a very simplified, watered down mm-hmm. version of all of these things. Yeah. Um, and I think that is kind of where my report ends.
1: After the Confederacy lost, it is now part of the U.S. Mm-hmm. The even though they don't want to be for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah.
0: So it, should, it's the Texas. It's the Texas. It's the second largest state geographically in the U.S.
1: Behind Alaska. Yeah. Which hardly counts.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I'm surprised that
0: over 100,000 square miles bigger than California. Yeah. It's got a big history because there's a lot of land like did yeah, a lot of things. That, that, is true, <laughs>
1: that is true. And it's been so populated. Like Alaska doesn't have any of that because nobody can live that up that north
0: yeah also i've never seen the alaskan flag i'm just realizing
1: <laughs> oh man yeah, me neither that's cool yeah. <laughs> The big dipper and
0: another star a little <laughs> dipper but yeah so i thought that was really interesting yeah i didn't realize it had like that much of a history and was that fought over and
1: yeah i say keep it to whoever else we don't need him. i like texas yeah i'm of course joking
0: Oh, very good reports,
1: Brooke. That was really
0: good. Thanks. Yeah, Yours was, too.
1: I appreciate it, and I'm so sorry I just straight up looked at your computer. To be fair, it was a giant picture of this Texas flag with the giant picture of the outline of Texas.
0: <laughs> Unrelated.
1: <laughs> yeah, so...
0: No, that's fine. Uh, you didn't know a lot of the things I said, though.
1: That is correct.
0: Or the answer to my follow-up question.
1: Also correct. So Very good job. Snaps yeah. all But around. you
0: got four, which I was really impressed with.
1: Well, one was the U.S., so... Well, you shouldn't be impressed.
0: Well, I am. So. The
1: only one that I got that I was like, maybe, is France. Like, I knew Spain had it, and then I knew Mexico had it, because we fought them for it. And then I know the U.S. has it. <laughs> so it really, it was, you know, the only amount of mental effort that took was, was guessing France.
0: Yeah. And I think the the confederate ownership is a little weak but the the fact comes from i guess the six flags in texas flies all six of those countries flags it flies the
1: confederate flag
0: yeah i don't know when that was i didn't know i don't know when that article i read was from but i would say there's a good chance they don't anymore yeah that's
1: good i say burn all the confederate flags (laughs) all right to wrap up the episode we will roll a die to Determine next week's category
0: and the week after that.
1: Yeah, we only have two left, so well, right on the money for sports and leisure cool. next week. Yay! Our least favorite topic, <laughs> but we have to do it anyway, so I have to do it an equal amount. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, they've been fun so far. We've done one, it was fun.
1: It so was far. fun.
0: <laughs> oh, if you guys want to subscribe and tell a friend about this little pod, we'd appreciate it. Maybe even uh, leave us a review.
1: Yeah, you could do it in-app. If you leave us a five-star review, it'd be super helpful. Helps the channel grow. Helps people see it. And uh, only do five stars, please. Thank you so much for listening. Um, And if you'd like to request a topic like the wonderful Skipper, you can email us at TrivialConPod C-O-N-P-O-D at gmail.com Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.